Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy from Afar, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Mr. FPL Champion Chuck Bailey and Super Producer Ian Stimson. Chuck, welcome to your 30s, bud. First time recording. How you feeling? I was trying to keep up positivity for this year, but it's not really working very good. (laughs) Well, what about Palace? Palace has got to be, keep, you know, they played uh, on your birthday, right? Was that? Fuck off. Oh. Uh, don't like it. Well, kept Arsenal to a draw. I mean, it was the dullest game in history, but. Until United and Liverpool this morning. Jesus. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, the biggest game in world football. Sky Sports. Sky, 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 Sky Sports. <laughs> it's grimly inevitable whenever they promo anything that hard, isn't it? It's so boring. There's been like. Two games in the last five years that's had more than two goals in that game. Like, shut up, you knobheads. <laughs> no one cares. It's depressing because it's like, is that like, is that actually the biggest derby in this country? Like, is that the British Classico? Like, is it? Uh, from the outside in, I would say absolutely. Yeah, to us, that's what we yeah. would consider like the biggest. And like, I don't have any... I Fuck, fuck the history, obviously. Like, fuck... All the little ass clubs that won something in the eighties and are like, "We're great European champions!" Oh my god, best in the world! Like, no, fuck you. But Liverpool United does feel like it has an occasion. It does feel like a big, big fixture to me, at least yeah. as the American. I don't know. How do you? You guys do you not think it's like your biggest? Well, no, that's what I mean. That's why, like, we don't. I don't feel like I don't know whether it's because we just have so many more teams and so many more derbies. But it's like. Like in Spain, you get Barca Real, the El Clasico. In Germany, you get Der Clasico between Munich and Dortmund. You get like the Derby d'Italia, or whatever, and then we just get like you know Liverpool. You know what I mean? Like... I think we're all overlooking the big derby that happened this Saturday. Uh, Peter Bremke Dons. Are we overlooking that one? Oh, how'd it go? Did you guys beat the Dons? Yes, of course we did. 3-0, thank you very much. Yeah, you wouldn't be bringing it up, I guess. I should have assumed. <laughs> He's not normally the one to proffer the Peter chat if they lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Up to the heady heights of fifth and smashing those scummers, MK Dons. So, yeah, got to love that. There you go. Well, let's check in on your uh, promotion odds and whatnot, according to the fine people at 538. No. Do we have to? <laughs> let's bring it up. You are a 45% to make the playoffs. That's not bad. No one's okay. above 47 Okay, right there. Uh, 35% for promotion, which is pretty great. That's the fourth best. Mm, okay. And 11% to win. Fourth best to get promoted is not good in a league where three get promoted. Three get promoted. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, that's why I was sort of slightly tempered in my reaction there. Okay. I'll take it, I suppose. That's how you bring it down. With <laughs> a good point, though. I mean, derby-wise, there's obviously the Manchester derby, but... Uh, unless Man Man United stay in their exalted position they're in at the minute, that doesn't feel as big as it maybe could be. I guess I guess Liverpool Man U is, but ugh. I, I, I guess I'm low on it just because sort of, we've not long watched it. What about the North London? Does that one do anything for you? That's the that's to me like the second mm. biggest one probably. Yeah, I, I mean it doesn't just because of where the, the the teams have sort of crossed over, haven't they? So it just doesn't feel like much to write home about to me it's because it because it, it, when arsenal were a good team and tottenham they weren't really up to much uh but the fans were super passionate it therefore became a bigger occasion because tottenham were the underdogs and had the more vocal fan base and therefore if they did something it was even more impressive whereas now like arsenal were the shit team with the shit fans so it's like just there's nothing go- that game has nothing going for it really 
Yeah, and Spurs fans are too distracted by the cheese room to say anything during the matches. No one's allowed in. That that, that really, like, for so many levels, that just doesn't land anymore, and it makes me sad. Uh, <laughs> not the fact that they're saying the cheese room doesn't exist, because I'm very much thinking that's a Denver airport situation, and it is <laughs> yes, somewhere it there. <laughs> it is there somewhere. But, yeah, just they, they lie to us. Do you think it's just, like, Jose's cheese room, like no one else is allowed in there right now? Just him yeah, sitting on so. a pile of cheddar? I really hope so. Are we going to go this long into the pod without mentioning that we're sponsored now and we're big time and we're going to retire in the Bahamas? <laughs> a dream has been achieved. We are finally sponsored. Uh, this is Oscar's Everest. This is what he got into podcasting for. <laughs> um, and we have been, we've been sponsored by Manscaped. Everyone. Yes, I, I specifically went into podcasting to be sponsored by a testicle shaving company, which is fantastic. I mean, you, you definitely did. Male care products. Men's, men's care. Men's care. Yeah. yeah. Lady, ladies can use it as well. Correct. Um, yes. So yeah, so we, we've, uh, they got in touch with us and I want to do something. So if you go to manscaped.com, uh, you can get 20% off all products and free shipping if you use our code MOP20. Yay! Yeah, that's right. They have testicle deodorant. They have boxers. They have t-shirts. They have a uh, nose hair trimmer. Ian, I can see your nose hairs from across <laughs> from the <here>. Atlantic. <laughs> you might want in, to invest in one of those. Yeah, maybe I'll put mine in little bunches like you've got your hair. Yeah. <laughs> he loves the bunches. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good week and positive for us. So thank you, Manscaped. Uh, we look forward to uh, spamming you all with adverts endlessly. <laughs> yeah, genuinely incredibly exciting. Like, I'm, you know, it's that American consumerism. I'm just so excited to record a fucking, <laughs> like, ad for someone. I mean, and also, you know, money is nice. We like, we love money. Shout out money. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jesus Christ. But, yeah, while we're on the subject of positive news that does bring us money, we got a new Patreon as well. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Do you want me to play the old fanfare? I think we can, because also, Patrick Bamford is still underperforming his XG. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not doing the whole thing. Every no. time when yeah. Bamford comes up, we play that. God. <laughs> but we got a new Patreon. Uh, we welcome uh, Michael Allen, who was the same person who uh, dubbed you the number-crunching prick, Koska. Uh, slightly salty number-crunching prick, thank no, you No, I added much. the slightly salty, but um, yeah, so there you go. We've got we've got a new Patreon, Michael Allen. Welcome, welcome to the family, welcome to the Slack. And uh, yeah, so that's positive news that also gets us money. So it's yeah, a win-win. And if you want to abuse us and call us insults and give us money, by all <laughs> means, please sign up at patreon.com slash milesupsidepod and join the Slack, etc. Welcome to the Jester from Leicester. <laughs> oh. I believe it's Molester. No, no, no. Molester, Molester. No. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't pronounce the m. Oh, the m, m is silent. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So it's Lester. Well, it's my classic American, not able <laughs> just, to pronounce. Just, just do fucking rapid fire news, mate. We need to get out of this quick. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Please, um, so we'll kick things off as we always do. Twenty minutes into our podcast, with our kick, <clears> kick <throat> things off. Kick things off. Famous John segment. Score the brace. Rapid, rapid, <laughs> rapid fire news. Our top story this evening, gentlemen, it is the end of an era. That's right, Mesut Ozil, Arsenal midfielder, is set to join Fenerbahce. The German traveled to Turkey on Sunday to have a medical and complete the deal. The 32-year-old still has half a season left on his Arsenal contract, but said goodbye to his teammates at the club's training ground before departing. Ozil has not played for Arsenal since a 1-0 win over West Ham in March. Wait, that recently? Yeah, that, that does feel more recent than I thought. It's been a long year. 
That much is true. Meza Ozil, we hardly knew you. <laughs> I don't think we did, really. I don't think we... I feel bad that the English team you went to was Arsenal. I, I know, feel... genuinely, like, jokes aside, <laughs> Ozil at Madrid was brilliant. Absolutely yeah. fucking brilliant. Him hooking up with Ronaldo. I believe that season, Mourinho's Madrid team set the record for most goals in a season in Spain, at least up to that point. I'm sure Messi has broken it since then. Um, but he was like genuinely. I was very jealous and angry when he signed for Arsenal. Yeah, and then well, there, there was, you know, there was the Arsenal season where wasn't it like with about ten games to go, he only had to get two more assists to get the assist record or something, and then just did nothing for the rest of the year. Um, Adam, like, let me know that I'm right or some shit. But I just can't remember what the <laughs> season is. But then, like, he was just never really. I don't know. He very much with Sanchez. Like, him and Sanchez together was unbelievable. Like, FPL terms, it was like when, you know, there were times in the last few seasons where you just have Salah and Mane or whatever. Like, you could have Ozil and Sanchez and they were still just great. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, well, do you... So you don't know when that was, that he, like, was really close? I'm not I'm not here to number things. Mm, I bet I can guess. <laughs> Hang on a second. Alexa... When did Fortnite come out? Fortnite was released on the 21st of July 2017 and it is available on Mac, PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox okay. One. All right, well, there you go. Clearly it was Fortnite that derailed Dozo's career. Have been before then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of long-standing servants, and we hardly knew you, except in this case we knew you all too well, Lucas Piazon, he of the Lone Army permanent deal, 10 years, Eight loans, three first-team appearances for Chelsea. While most players leave the club three. after a decade, the talk is of testimonials. When Lucas Piazon departed Sample Bridge on Thursday, <laughs> Chelsea fans could be forgiven for barely noticing. The 26-year-old Brazilian, yes, that's right, he's only 26, remarkably <laughs> was the longest-serving wow. player in the Chelsea squad. History. Having theoretically worked under eight managers. <laughs> can we, can Jeez. we, can we, can we, can we, can we, can we start an online campaign to get Lucas Piers on a testimonial match for 10 years? He deserves <laughs> it. It is his right. He should have it. But everyone who plays can only be people who are featured on loans. <laughs> yeah. And it will be all players. Oh, that- KDB's coming back for the testimonial. <laughs> It has to be worse than that. You have to have 10 or less appearances for your club but have been on loan otherwhere, other places for like five or six years. I have one and only one Lucas Piers on memory. Given that he only had three appearances for Chelsea, that makes sense. I'll briefly run it out. And that was in our 8-0 against Aston Villa, which is, I believe, the club record biggest win in the top flight. Wow. Um, and we had seven different scorers and he was not one of them. <laughs> That's it. That's all I remember. Jeez. Yeah, he's 26. He's I a child. I really thought he would have been older than me. I really thought. <laughs> uh, well, you know who is older than you. It's a good place to transition to our next story. Ian Stimson. Uh, well, yes, obviously. Quite obviously. But no, championship side Derby County have appointed England's record goal scorer Wayne Rooney as their new manager on a two and a half year contract. The 35 year old, so older than us, but not older than Ian, <laughs> had been interim charge since Philip Koku was sacked on November 14, but he is now also officially retired as a player. Rooney has overseen nine games so far, winning three and drawing four. Yeah, I'm quite sad about this because it means he's no longer player manager, and I like to see a player manager, especially in the 21st century. <laughs> something. <laughs> Delightfully old school. Something that seems so antiquated and weird that I'm sure at one point, like, three Premier League teams would have had player managers at the same time in the 90s. Like, Do you count as a player manager if you never play yourself? 
no. Uh, no, I think to be a player manager, you just have to have your kit on underneath a jumper or something. <laughs> Ready to go. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. I want to see someone with full kit, but then like the tie, uh, like cashmere sweater, full overcoat. I want to see that, and then they can just sort of rip it away. Like maybe all attached by Velcro or something, so they're just ready to go. They're full pep beforehand, but then they can just rip it off and be John Terry and just go out there. That's what I want to see. <laughs> Arsene Wenger would take 20 minutes to get out of his. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't have a chance. Like, everyone else has got Velcro. He's done his with buttons and cufflinks. Uh, do we think he'll do a good job? Dar- Darby's been a... A jumping off point for some managers, obviously Lampard, but also in the past historically, like Brian Clough was there. Those yeah. are the only two names that I know. <laughs> I mean, they're in the relegation zone? Question mark. They're, well, the one thing I do know about him is that they've got uh, big financial problems. I think he's got a he's got a job on his hands. To be honest, as a, they are twenty third. Yeah, twenty third. He's definitely got a job on his hands. I think their their financial problems sound quite nasty. So. I think he'll struggle to build a squad that's going to be... Well, unless he does the sort of low knee thing. Obviously, they had... In the past, they had low knees like Mason Mount and stuff and have done them well. Mm. But So if he can do that, then he might be all right. But I think he's going to struggle to get a really good squad of permanent players for the championship. Yeah, he's got to be ringing up Ole right now and being like, hey, what United youngsters yeah. can you send me? The same way Lampard was on the phone with Chelsea the day he got appointed as Derby <laughs> manager. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I don't think people want to go somewhere where they're not going to get paid, though. <laughs> which sadly is I don't think they've been paid since November at Derby at the moment so oh is it that bad wow I don't think this was a few days ago I saw something that they hadn't been paid for December so therefore I just you know right yeah Oof. chronology but yeah good luck Wayne good luck Wayne <laughs> have a good one <laughs> good luck Wazza is that what you guys call him right Wazza <laughs> yeah that's yeah Uh, All right, well, then let's go over to our final story. Then Premier League players have got to follow the rules and set a good example over COVID-19 protocols, says Chief Executive Richard Masters. He wrote to clubs on Wednesday to stress the critical importance of adhering to the strengthened protocols. Clubs were reminded that handshakes, high fives and hugs must be avoided and that players should socially distance wherever possible on and off the pitch. I suppose with... Players of your own, obviously you can't socially distance with the opposition. But players of your own team, you're probably not that near them that often. And so maybe there's some merit in saying this with celebrations and stuff. I just, I struggle to believe that they're socially distancing. Obviously in training they can't, I presume, unless they're in complete, I don't know, weird bubbles or something. I just, I find it very odd. It feels a bit like sort of lip service to me. I mean, he did suggest that they start doing practice in those hamster balls, the giant (laughs) hamster bubbles (laughs) that people run around in sometimes. On water as well, please. On water. (laughs) We just invented a new sport. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what's totally safe is the fucking FA Cup and League Cup. We should definitely keep that going. Just don't handshake it when you're scoring a goal. Yeah. (laughs) Don't shake hands with the people you spend six out of seven days a week with. I quite enjoyed Madison's celebration of just everyone just get back. (laughs) And then I think it was Harvey Barnes or someone at the end just went up to him and hugged him anyway. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's like many things can be true at the same time. Like, for example, I am very annoyed and upset at the perceived exceptionalism and entitlement that a lot of footballers have because they get paid a lot of money. 
going out for New Year's, not having retribution, going to watch games, traveling all around the world, etc., 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 when other people don't. And that stirs up feelings of whatever and resentment and being a bit like, kind of fuck you. It feels a bit like a fuck you because you've got money, you can do what you want. However, at the same time, I can also see that it is very much the kind of once again, it seems to be the ruling classes or whatever that are using footballers as a scapegoat to distract us from what is going on in life. And the simple fact is they did it before and then Marcus Rashford stepped up and fed a load of kids. So it shut them, all, shut Matt Hancock and the rest of them all the fuck up because they were like, well, look, he's doing his part finally. So what are you doing for the country? And if the main talking point amongst everyone is whether or not footballers should hug or shake hands on the pitch then they've done their job in distracting you from what is going on in life and their own fucking inability to manage the country. I know we're not a political podcast, but that's just what I'm saying, is if that <laughs> if that's what the media is saying, the big problem with COVID is, is 11 blokes who only see, like, probably don't see that many people, can't shake hands or whatever. Just saying. There's bigger <laughs> things going on here, guys. There's a pandemic. A triple captain KDB. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Hashtag FPL. Just side note, I think us not being a political podcast, that ship sailed a while ago. Yeah, oh, that's so far gone. <laughs> All right, well, then let's move on to the fixtures. Uh, there are many, many fixtures to go through because there have been two game weeks since the last time we recorded. Mm. So I just picked out a couple of teams that I thought had some interesting results, and I figure we can go that way. Sound good, gentlemen? Yes, please. Lovely. All right, good. Well, let's start off with Wolves, then. Normally not where somewhere where you would think to go, but there was a WW Derby yesterday. Uh, and Wolves have been on a spectacularly terrible run, so I find that it's mildly worth talking about. Uh, so on Tuesday, January 12th, we had Wolverhampton Wanderers 1, Everton 2, Wolves 0.9 to Everton's 0.3 on XG. So a loss, slight burnleying. And then yesterday, and the big one that people are definitely talking about in the WWE, mm. Wolves against one of the W teams. I'm not sure which. They all blend together. But the bad one. Wolves 2, W Team 3, Wolves 1.9 to W Team's 2.5 on XG. It's getting too meta. It's getting too meta, Oscar. <laughs> okay, the W Team in question is West Brom, which Albion, which is the worst team in the history of time, right? Come on now, Sheffield United will take exception to that. Um, uh, the Bla- the, well, we're talking about derbies earlier, the Black Country derby, not just the W derby. Um, mm. in there but yeah Wolves have been uh, woeful last 10 games they have conceded the first goal in 9 of them guess who the 10th was um, and <laughs> just yeah they, like have very much shown how they rely on uh, Jimenez and Jota um, their squad has been like teenagers uh, go back uh, a few weeks ago to when we recorded and we got some team reviews um, and uh, a fan got in touch that, that kind of pointed that out a lot that they've really been running on the B squad and a lot of players that would have they would have been okay if they'd have embedded in gradually as opposed to no you're all the ones that are starting to lead the line here uh, and it's kind of showing that that uh, instability a bit, which you wouldn't have thought because the Wolves have always seemed like they're a very well-run club and, and, and done really well. I mean, you forget they're promoted in, what, the last three years? Yeah, relatively recently, for sure. Um, but I think that goes to show something that we've talked about with lots of other teams as well, which is that like most teams, even City and Liverpool, and definitely the rest of us, have like one or two positions where they cannot afford an injury because it will just destabilize their entire fucking thing. Right? So like on a really... Really obvious example would be if Hingman's son went down for Spurs. They'd be fucked. Their entire attack runs through him and Kane. 
And so, like, without him, they would just have no way to go. And they sold their best striker. And then the other best striker is, like, injured for a very long time, which obviously that you can't plan for Mm. or expect. But when you leave yourself that thin, that one injury can derail you completely, like, now we're seeing the effects of that. You know what I mean? Like, it really only takes one or two names sometimes. And as well, like, you were talking uh, to me before, Oscar, about some new magical stats thing that you've been looking at. And we were looking at the goalkeeper numbers for it that shows um, that Rui Patricio is like one of the worst performing goalkeepers in the league this year. Yes. So the stat in question, and I can do a Patreon explainer for our Patreons if they have more in-depth questions about it, but it is post-shot XG differential. So in other words, it looks at shots that it knows are on target. It calculates how likely those are to go in given some extra factors that normal actually wouldn't take into account, like where the shot was hit towards. Corner, center, where's the goalkeeper's position relative to that. Um, and it was originally invented to measure like how good people are at finishing. Turns out that's basically impossible to do in statistics, at least as of what we have yet. Uh, all we know is that Bamford is bad and Messi is good. <laughs> but besides that, everyone is pretty much an average finisher that we can tell from the data. Um, but it did turn out to be really useful for measuring how good keepers are, because if someone places a shot really well and has a high expected goals, post-shot value, and then the keeper saves it, then they made an amazing save, basically. Like you can you can say, like, oh, this number was an amazing save. Like, there it is right there. We saw it with our eyes, and now we have a number for it. Hmm. And But I didn't know that about the Wolves keeper. You said he's, like, towards the bottom? Uh, I don't know. I closed the tab. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> <sake>. <laughs> it's um, not just me! <laughs> so, but, it's, but it's on, like, a scale, and I think at the top with, like, plus six is, like, Nick Pope. Which makes sense because like Burnley, many bad, and Nick Pope, many good goalkeeper, and right at the bottom with like a minus five is uh, Rui Patricio. So I guess like if that's like a ten goal differential, like that's that's quite a bit. Yeah, although I don't think really they'll be in trouble though. So like for all the all the fuss, like they've got a ten point cushion on the relegation zone, right? Maybe more. Well, yeah, but Wolves have. Their expectations have changed over the last few years. And I, I accept what you're saying, yeah. that it, it was only a few years ago that it promoted to the Premier League. But in that very short space of time, they've been really successful. And that's just that's totally altered expectations. They're no longer a team that you'd be thinking they should be dodging relegation. You know, the fact that you're even saying that because they're in, what, 14th or something, I can't remember, um, is... Yeah, 14. It's, it's yeah. not good enough for Wolves as Wolves are now, you know. Their defence has been conceding um, a lot of XG. So they're putting... They're, if you're saying uh, Patricio's not performing well, well, the defence is putting him in a position that that means he's going to be conceding a lot of goals then, you know, because they're, they're, they're uh, conceding a lot of uh, potential XG. Yeah, it's not looking good for him at the minute. And uh, up front's not much better. I mean, Neto's been, been decent, but... They've had obviously a lot of people out, and it's, it's yeah, it's not good times for him. Definitely not. And old Nuno doesn't look happy at all. He also, I think, for once has genuinely been making mistakes. Yeah, like what is he doing with Adama Traore? That's yeah. one of the mm. most talented players in the league, and he can't figure out how to use him when they have no one else that good. Build this fucking system around him. That seems a no-brainer to me. He's their best player, especially with Jimenez out and Jota gone. But meanwhile, he's like not even starting every week. So like, what are you doing? All right, well, let's move on then to another team that had some uh, interesting results over the last couple of games. Probably the big one, honestly, that people would want to talk about the most. Um, but I didn't want to give them the honor of bleeding, so fuck them. Uh, and we have Manchester United 
Uh, with two results over the last two game weeks, we had Manchester United 1, Burnley 0, Man United 1.2 to Burnley's 0.7, so a, a favorable win, but potentially a 1-1 draw in other scenarios uh, with the roll of the dice there. And then obviously earlier today, we referenced it already, we took accidental naps and are feeling very well refreshed and rested to record this podcast. <laughs> I think at least I did. <laughs> I slept through most of this. We had Liverpool 0, Manchester United 0, 1.2 to 1.2, so exactly a uh, draw. I tried to stay awake, guys. I genuinely did. I was like, I'm going to have like tactical insight. I'm going to take some fucking notes. I had my notes app open on my phone, and I literally fell asleep with my phone in my hand. It was a boring match. But United, best team in the world, right? Top of the league. A 1-0 against Burnley. Like, I mean, not losing to Liverpool. Like, that's that's good. That's like a Mourinho level of, I'm just going to stop the other team getting points. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, Ole keeps a three-point cushion uh from Liverpool which is a nice place to be like if you know we didn't we wouldn't have fought a little while ago with how the league was shaping up that potentially at the end of January you could have Man City what four points clear of Liverpool again yeah Man City are gonna probably win the league like if I if I had the ability to gamble legally where I currently live I would put money on City to win the league like right now their their mm. numbers are on the up and everyone else's are on the down and they're just the best team. And Pep seems to have figured out how to mit- mitigate like injury and energy consumption in an incredibly tricky year by changing the system to a system that specifically plays slow and stuff. But we'll get to City. I don't want to skip United because I think like people genuinely want to hear us talking about United. The fact that they're at the top of the league is something. And uh, when we looked at the Tinsel window, didn't they were like number one over the Tinsel window unexpected as well? They, right, were, they, they were literally number one on every stat. I think goal scored, XG. Uh, points, everything. So it kind of, maybe it makes sense that then you know you have that difficult period. Now we've said it before, and you you can tell if you look at the results just across uh, the smaller game week uh, that we missed out obviously last week. Uh, you know there was only one game that had more than two goals. There's there's three one nils, a nil nil, a one one, a one two. So like really low scoring compared to what we've seen. And then this week, it's kind of been a bit more balanced again. But still, you know, 3-1 nils yesterday and nil-nil this afternoon. Like, I think it's a lot of teams are starting to see that impact. And where the top teams then, as historically would happen, is you then kind of try to grind out results um, and try not to exert yourselves to then kind of build up back up again. And so maybe it's kind of a bit of that from United and slowing down, especially like the XG creation isn't particularly high. Like against Burnley, they generated 1.2. And scored one against Liverpool today. Both teams was uh, one point two, so I think maybe it's just a bit of that as as using this period to kind of try to recharge a bit and uh, get a bit of rotation. Having said that, Fernandez looked furious when he got subbed off, and Ooh, I love that drama. Yeah, <laughs> give me some chaos. Went off like throwing stuff and yeah. like, what the fuck wouldn't come off basically. Well, also because five, not even five minutes before then, he'd been telling Wijnaldum, "Look, you're getting subbed. Fuck off." <laughs> and, then, and then it's uh, Bruno's absolutely furious to see his number go up. Yeah, enjoyable. I mean, they are trending up, which is the con- that's the concern to me. I don't think that they're one of the four best teams if you look at the entire arc of the whole season so far. I think FB ref on goal difference per 90 would have them um, one, two, three, four, five, sixth about level with Spurs. And then it's a pretty sizable jump to Chelsea and Villa about level with each other. And then Liverpool, and then a huge fucking jump up from that to City. City are running away with the underlying numbers at this point. But 
So United still aren't like top four over the course of the whole season, but the way that they're trending, the way they seem to be gelling, it's so hard to not give into like confirmation bias slash hashtag narrative because they have looked good and the results have been there. But I think that the the way the numbers are, you also lend yourself to very easily like one early goal completely fucking a result. It's not like they're dominating or playing teams off the pitch the way Liverpool or City do or Chelsea when they're running, mm. which they haven't been, but you know, Full for weeks. a couple of weeks now. Yeah. But like, you know, to me, actually, that's actually a perfect example, right? Like Chelsea are in crisis, 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 like one or two fluky goals, one or two fluky results in the other direction when your XG numbers are that close on a per 90 basis. Like they're less than a half goal, goal difference per 90. It's point three six. So like that's, not super far off of even. It's just it's just still mad how truncated it is for everyone. And like, I know I rip you about the Chelsea and everyone saying in crisis, but it's like literally for for the amount of shit results that Chelsea have had, which has been quite a lot recently. Sorry, I know this. Eventually, I'll get to the supporting you bit and not just the digs of your team's shit. Um, <laughs> but it's like if Chelsea had just had three three more wins, which isn't a lot. Um, then they'd be top of the league. Like, I still go back to Palace having those shit losses against uh, Burnley and Newcastle. Like, if Palace won those, they'd be at seventh now where Chelsea are. And it's like, it's how tight things are. that, uh, and, and we saw kind of from the, the full 20-team reviews is that I think every single fan of their clubs, apart from like Sheffield United and West Brom, and maybe Fulham, all think the same way about their clubs this year, that they're like super down and, and like, just like it can be so close. And I think there's a big feeling of that everywhere. Apart from, and, and especially Man United fans had that until they put a, together five good results across the tinsel window. I think it was four wins and a draw off the top of my head. And that was enough to propel them so many more places that all of a sudden, oh, Man United fans are back. They're all lording it over Twitter. It is how things were. And I think everything's just in such a constant state of flux that it, it, when you step back from it for a minute, this is what we have all been asking for for a good few years. Like halfway into the season, it's still super competitive. Like five points separate first and sixth at the minute after 17. Or five eight- points separate ninth to third. Yeah. Like it's nothing. It's really not a lot. Like, And that is part of like... What's really frustrating to me as a data-leaning fan is that from one week to another, it's like, oh, Chelsea in fourth, Chelsea in ninth, crisis. And it's like, no, like, we're like one or two results. Like, it's super fucking much. We're not even halfway through the season. I know that it's the middle of January, but like, so timeline-wise, we're like, oh, wow, this is really the time when things start to blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're not even halfway through the season because it's been a weird year. We started late. You know, all the COVID stuff. Everybody knows what's going on, obviously. But like... It is so bunched up. And so as a data-leading fan, that's why I cling to the underlying numbers right now, especially, is because, like I said last time, like, that's more indicative, likely, you know, if you're betting on probably, like, there's a reason that gambling companies don't lose money. It's stats. <laughs> like, spoiler alert. You know, that's what, that's why I'm, like, up on Chelsea compared to most Chelsea fans, definitely. Mm. And, like, non-Chelsea fans as well. Um, I do feel like a crazy person being like, Chelsea aren't that bad. Chelsea aren't that bad. But, yeah. like... It's so fucking frustrating. It's so tiring in general. And I guess we can move to Chelsea just because there's like, we can talk to them about them for five seconds. They beat Fulham 1.4 to 0.5. They beat them. They beat them on XG. Fulham down to 10 men. 
it was frustrating that they didn't do better against the 10 man Fulham. I was sitting there watching being like, why aren't we creating more? Why aren't we like tearing them apart? And I think that's the influence of like, like I got to fucking quit Twitter, man. I'm just so negative about Chelsea emotionally when the rational side of me is like, dude, relax. Like there's not, it's nothing to be stressed about yet. Like maybe everything's so fucking bunched up that like ninth to third is, is nothing but like reg quote unquote regular people. I sound like such an asshole. Fuck it. I don't care. Lean into it at this point. Everyone knows what I am. Like <laughs> you speak, you speak your truth. Bunches. Regular people are like, Oh, Chelsea are in your ninth. They're shit. And it's like, nah, no, they're not. But I, Oh, Sorry, the that's pro- just, the problem that's is my you rant. mentioned Done. bookies, and at the minute they have Lampard third favorite to be sacked next. Yes, because narrative can get a manager sacked much more so than <laughs> performance. Narrative matters in the real world, but at the end of the year, it's the stats that get you where you are in the table. You know what I mean? Like it's a long way from now to the end of the season. So the real world only exists between now and the end of the season, and then at the end of the season, fake world takes over. They converge into one world, is really how I would <laughs> like to phrase it, but sure. Yeah. Ah, all right, well, let's move to the team that is likely to win the league then, I think, and that's City. Uh, City beat Brighton on Wednesday. Woo, the mighty Brighton. Uh, 2.9 to 0.2 on XG. Oof, oh, my gosh. And then, obviously, City demolishing Palace 4-0 today. I don't have the XG up for that yet. I'm sure XG Philosophy on Twitter probably has it. Info goal have got the Man City Palace matches. Man City only 1.14, but to Crystal Palace is 0.05. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Did they take any? Sh- I mean, I guess they took one shot at least, but. There is oh, man. two shots on their shot map for Crystal Palace. One on the sort of upper left of the penalty area, and the other nearer the centre circle. <laughs> <laughs> that was when no, that was when uh it wasn't that one is a ridiculous and I saw it that was when Eze tried to lob Edison and he wasn't he wasn't far off he wasn't but obviously like xg wise it's ridiculous yeah but we're not talking about palace you wanted to talk about city yeah city so city are great right like city are great and it's a it is a tactical shift it's on purpose it doesn't feel it passes the eye test it passes the numbers test they are almost in reality at the top of the table, especially with that game in hand. So, like, the the narrative slash, uh, you know, observed outcomes is also there. Like, they're just good. <laughs> That's it. So, do you subscribe to this um, thing I've read about that Pep was, like, deliberately reining them in in this early part of the season to save them for what he knew would be a awful season fitness wise because everything's so packed in and um, Um, so forth do you subscribe to that or is that just a sort of happy way to explain what's happening now it's a very easy thing to say after the fact isn't it yeah to me what was happening that my read on it is that they were in a transition period between two tactical systems and two sets of players being the like most important players like some of those people carried over kyle walker for example but he had to learn a new way to play right back. It had, and to us, it doesn't look that different. But to the people that break these things down and who, like, when you read their articles, you're like, oh, fuck, that is a really good analysis. That's not something that I caught with my own eye when I was watching. Like, it is a pretty radically different formation, a much, much radically different, like, structure in terms of, like, what the expectations and the roles are for individual players, even if they're, like, hanging out in the same basic area of the pitch. 
And so that's going to lead to a natural, like, period of instability where they're like, oh, they don't really look like they know what they're doing. They look kind of off. They they look like they're tentative or hesitant when they're playing, all that sort of stuff, right? And so that's, I think, what we were seeing there as they fully internalized their new sets of instructions. They're a different team. Like, they're the same players, the same coach, and they look similar. There's still a lot of cutbacks and stuff, but... Yeah, I mean that's my read on it. It was just a it was just a transition between two tactical systems, and now that they got it, they're just gonna fucking run away with this. Like, hmm, okay. What about you, Chuck? Though, do you think that he was like on purpose conserving stuff? Like, was there more mind games at play there, or was it what? Like, what's your read on that? I think like it makes sense. Like, you have to have logics for everything, right? And it's it's how you're gonna play it. And and I certainly think it would have played on the mind of a lot of managers. And it's whether you take the tactical advantage of trying to get to an unassailable lead. So you just try to go for it early and then hold on and then, you know, you're naturally going to rain. It's going to happen naturally that you get tired and whatever. But it does feel very easy to say after the fact, yeah, this is what I was doing because our form dipped a little bit. But like we were just getting by because if they were just getting by and they were losing like every game, then he would have had to change it. You know what Mm. I mean? There's something to be said for it, and it would logically it would make sense that you could look at it and, and take the different approaches of you see that massive fixture congestion, but you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think about that for a team of Man City. It's kind of quality. I mean, you think like a lower league team. Um, sorry, not well, maybe a lower league team, but certainly a lower down the team league team that they would target specific fixtures to try to get the most out of those. Rafa Benitez was probably the perfect manager for that. Mm. And it was probably why you could look at him at Newcastle and you couldn't necessarily judge his results because there were certain games where he just did not try to get anything out of. But then when he did, it was like, we get that win, bang, right, next one. We rest and, and you make sure you can serve. It's kind of the opposite model to Marcelo Bielsa where yeah. like there is there is something to be said for, you know, yes, you're playing Man United. Yes, you've got nothing to lose. You're four goals down. It's the 70th minute and you keep going attack, 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 attack. Like, good on you. And as a viewer of that, it is fun to watch because you're actually giving it a go. Something that people have been saying that they want from championship teams or their own teams for years and years and years. But on the flip side of that, it's now I've seen why the teams burn out and why it's mad that Karen Carney gets the slack about that. And because, you know, obviously for whatever reasons, Leeds decided to dig her out personally on their Twitter account. Whatever reasons. Then- Gee, I wonder what those reasons might be. <laughs> Scum. Um, and since that, they haven't scored a goal. with super attacking Leeds. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it, Who looked and- absolutely gone out against Brighton as well. Against Brighton, against Brighton in the first yeah. half, like this super attacking team, they generated 0.2 xG, and Brighton were only playing five defenders in that match. Like they've been, yeah. they have been playing seven against Man City. They played six centre backs. That's how much. <laughs> that's how fucked their team is. It's like there was a centre back playing as a winger, one playing as a defender, uh, one playing as a central midfielder. Sorry, it's like they are fucked, and you're this super attacking team, and you can only get 0.2 against them, like. If this this is the turning point in, in Leeds' season and why then those knock-on effects happen is that you've wasted all that energy on games that you wouldn't necessarily have won. And they were for the first part of the season anyway. Sorry, we've got so much sidetracked here from Man City, but <laughs> just any chance to dig on Leeds. But in the first half of the season, Leeds were doing that in every game and they were getting results out of the games they were supposed to get results from. And the teams that were better than them were smashing them. 
Granted, like the first game, it was like the Liverpool 4-3 and it was a massive war of attrition and it was mad. But like now, if you're not going to see that from teams, is it worth it? Is there going to be a tactical switch that, that then justifies it? Which is what I would say Pep would have done probably if his tactical switch, and we said it the way they were playing was slightly different, hadn't been working during the festive congestion period because they just weren't going to get the break now and everyone's got to make up games and everyone, you know, the top teams, if they progress further in the competitions, are going to have a game every three days between now and the end of time. Yeah, no, literally, <laughs> if you look at Spurs' fixtures, it's every 2.8 days from now to June. Ooh, wow. On average. That's, that's insane. But teams like that, teams like Pep's City, want to win every single game. So that's why it was just quite a weird different tack that I think we're not used to seeing from Pep. And honestly, this is going to be a piping hot take, but to me, this is the most impressive thing that Pep has done in his career. Everyone's like rolling their eyes at me. Go ahead. Okay, get your roll. I roll out. Give you three seconds. Okay, good. Now that you can listen again. Honestly, like what he did at Barca was unbelievably impressive. They were the best team of all time, club team of all time, probably looking at their trophies, looking at their players, whatever. But like he also inherited... Messi, Iniesta, Xavi, Puyol, PK, all those, Pedro, Fabregas, all those dudes from the youth squad. So, like, that's, you know, you're going to do well with those guys. Then he goes to Bayern Munich. They were the best team in the world. He made them better, but they were already the best team in the world, right? This, he's building a fucking bicycle on the fly and turning a it bicycle. into the best team in England after getting thoroughly, like, dismantled. I guess, by Liverpool, at least in the actualized results last year, because we talk about it in the line, blah, 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 blah. But, like, he's changing this as they go. Like, like The bicycle got dismantled? No, he's building <laughs> the bicycle on the fly, meaning, like, while he's riding it. That's an expression. Is that not an expression? Did I make that up? Sounds like an expression. Did he dismantle uh, the bicycle <laughs> first? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So he's riding his bicycle along the Thames, or uh, what's the river in Manchester? Who knows? Do they not have a river? Every city has a river. Whatever. He, let's say he's in. He's on like vacation in the Thames. He's riding his bike on the Thames. He notices that the back tire is flat, so he like pumps on? a front wheelie and then fixes the tire while he's doing a front wheelie and then puts it back down and needs. And then not only is he back riding his bicycle, it's even faster and better. And now it's be now the bicycle is better than Liverpool, and we're all gonna just watch it win the league. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I genuinely assumed I'd misheard, but I didn't. So, nope. Yeah, no. Fine, that's not a saying, but you explained it brilliantly. Pep and his bicycle. Pep and his bicycle. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say we should talk about Fulham, but I don't think we're going to top Pep and his bicycle, so do you want to just go to listener stuff? Well, he can say um, poor Fulham. Feel bad for him. Who's the guy that got sent off? Who's the guy that got sent off? Anthony Robinson. Hang your head in shame. I know you're listening. Yeah. Don't feel sorry for him. In but, a relegation yeah. scrap, finally turning the corner. Everyone's getting fucking COVID. Scott Parker's pulling out magical draws left, right and centre. I don't know what I'm going to do. Red card. You dick. And I saw some Fulham fans on Twitter mad about it. Because, um, you know, Aspie did sort of sell it a bit. Right. But this guy fucking flew in. He was airborne with two feet. How are you going to complain about a red card? Well, Aspie may have sold it a bit. But the fact is that if he hadn't have been if Aspie hadn't been in the air that could have been a leg breaker oh absolutely like so he sort of had to sell it a bit to preserve his health just, he was yeah. upside down at one point with his leg you know you guys know what upside down means because the yeah. fucking force yeah, of the enough, tackle hit his leg so hard that. that he did a rotation sorry it's not the same as saying <laughs> that but he fixed a bicycle on the road it's cool while he's on it 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's on his penny farthing. <laughs> Who fucking knows? Um, anyway, let's go to listener stuff. We've only got a brief one, but it's it's uh, FBL, so let's uh, let's cover that. Uh, Patreon Tom Townley says, if you had to invent an FPL chip, what would it be, and what would it replace? Ooh. Um, and then and Sam Danby comes in on that as well and says uh, that the Norwegian version of the game had uh, all sorts had an all out attack, but every attacker got double points. Oh, how does that work? Like you're front three. Let's go through. Let's go through these. Actually, I want to one at a time. Let's. I want to. Yeah. Fucking... Oscar doesn't want to come up with his own ideas. I have my own idea, but let's save ours for the end. Well, the all out attacks. Well, I'm. I'm assuming your midfield and three attackers all get double points. I don't know, but I like that. The all out attack chip wasn't very good when we had it because it's just it was just swapping out a defender. I mean, often your defender would outscore them anyways. Uh, he also said the Norwegian game had rich uncle. Naturally. <laughs> Um, rich uncle was free hit but with unlimited funds oh i like that i you know what if that was around i might get back into fpl because the budget thing is the thing that pisses me off the most well and one one trade per week one transfer per week that actually that's what pisses me off the most you you what you've literally never in all your years of fpl only made one transfer a week so that's why i hate it why you complain it you you were never (laughs) limited by it you just rolled with it and just spunked points well, that's the. P- I want to do it without the points hits, without the cost. <laughs> without the points. I'd like to play FPL, but no one earns points. Communism. <laughs> no, you, everyone gets expected expected points based on what was supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Expected. Ooh, fantasy. Expected fantasy. Expected fantasy. Oh, my God, he's going to create a game now. This is layers upon layers. Instead of assists and goals, it's expected assists and expected goals. <laughs> um. A defence chip, he can't remember the name of it, and uh, where all five defenders played get double points. God, that's it. That's it. You're, you're looking for a dull week there, aren't mm. you? Watching for games open for clean, nothing but clean sheets. Yeah. Pass on that. And um, one where the captain and vice that week, captain and vice captain got double points. Yeah. Oh, damn it. I wish I had read this because that's my suggestion. I call it double captains. <laughs> double captains. <laughs> we got a triple captain and we got double captains. Yeah, I'd like it to be spread out a bit. Like a vice captain to mean something. Like one and a half points. Yeah, like every week. Yeah. I think that's the problem because like, I think like as a one shot, um, like free hits good. Bench boost is all right. Everyone like gets in a tizzy about it. Oh, they very much do. Triple captains, <laughs> yeah. It's fun, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> triple captain, God, God forbid anyone changes their mind on their triple captain though. <laughs> it's alright I'm not paid for FPL advice so it's fine um, yeah, yeah. So, so like I think they're quite balanced because like you said all out attack was shit like it was just yeah. it was only good if you had injured defenders basically yeah, like, yeah. if you couldn't get anything out and playing a 2-5-3 um, was your only way out yeah, yeah. but yeah I'd like, I'd like like a vice captain every week or yeah double captains I'm going with Oscars double captains what about you Ian what's, what's your dream chip play the Peterborough team one week when I know they're playing MK Dons and Sammy Smoditz can score two goals. Come on! <laughs> let's, let's, let's. Oh, what? Just get someone in for their points. Any league. Any league. Messi, yeah. every week. <laughs> every single week. Play that chip every week. I would like the FA, FA, the FPL Cup to be actually something that's worth playing because no one gives a shit about it, do they? And it it could be quite good. If you had like a separate squad where every week you picked a new like every it just for the cup you picked a free hit team every week Ooh. then that would make the cup 
sort of fun and actually mean something because you know then anyone who's not playing anymore because obviously they wouldn't pick their team they they would just be out so you could deal mm-hmm. with that in the qualifying round you could say this is the qualifying round of the cup pick your pick your free hit FPL cup team then you get a qualifying lot and then you play it from there with with free hit teams every week like I say entirely separate to your actual squad yeah I'd and then that. just make it actual fun you know because it's it's quite fun putting a free hit team together but, when it, when it know, has you, no consequence, when you don't have to deal with yeah. the, the same shit team again the next <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Last week. So Ian's chip is make FPL fun. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, Find a way to make it fun. I like it. Yeah, that'd be well good. Like, you always have a hundred billion budget, but player prices don't change in that competition. Or they do, or they reset every week. That's fine. You could you could add it, because at the minute, the, the cup starts in like the 17th week. And you have to be in the top, what, like fifty percent or whatever, to get through. Well, why not from game week one? That like it, the cup can only be entered like you get entered into group stages, and so like unless you're in at game week one, you can't be in the cup because you know people create yeah. like three hundred thousand teams or whatever. So you start game week one. You will then play around robin in that league with like four five teams in total. That takes you to sixteen game weeks. That's then when the knockout round starts. And just like something... Because at the minute, everyone goes, oh, I didn't qualify. Or literally everyone is out at the first round anyway. I would I would come back to FPL for that. I love a weekly pick There are other games that are weekly pick Yahoo used to have one. And Taga had one. The Taga one I was fucking crazy good at. I was like top 100 in the world. Like several years in a row. There's only 200 people playing it, but... <laughs> it, was a, it was a few thousand, but... Can you beat who you're playing? Because I'm good at a weekly pick because that's like... There's no, there's no constraints. There's no budget. It's just like, what ten players are going to do well this week? Like I'm, that's better for me. I don't know. Yeah. Fuck long term planning and stuff. Like I don't. I have no patience. Uh-huh. <laughs> we know. So I would very much be in on a weekly pick'em. I'd also like to add something that they've had on the Euro and the World Cup fantasy football games is um, that in the middle of the game weeks you can you can put your subs in. And you can change your captain as long as that player hasn't played yet. And I quite like that as actually then you're managing mm. the team as opposed to what happens at the minute, which you might go, I'm going to make one change, then I'm going to leave it, then I'm going to stare at it for four days and just be like, oh, this is nothing. <laughs> so, like, so for example, if you had five players on the first day of the game week, they all of their scores come in. Then if you've got a player on the bench... You who can could decide be really good. You can, to... Yeah, you can sub them on. Yeah. Or if your captain was one of those five players and he only got one point, you can move the captainship to a player who hasn't played yet. As a gamble. But you, yeah. yeah, but you can never go back, right? So you yes. could go like higher and higher and higher. And that just makes it a bit more engaging. And I really like that with the World Cup and the Euros ones that they've done. Mm. That's, I mean, that's a huge part of why I like Fantrax so much more too, is that like you're really involved with managing like during the game week. Like I'm going out, I'm checking lineups, and then I can still sub people in and out. Mm. With like an hour to go, you know what I mean? Like, and Sunday too. If I have a player playing Sunday that I'm like, oh, you know what? This guy's starting on Saturday that I didn't realize was going to start. I'll put him in and then I'll take the risk on the Sunday guy just blanking or not doing well. You know what I mean? Like, the, the only thing with that is, is that FPL, I think, does hit a nice sweet spot between casuals and people like us who would play that sort of game where you have to be super involved. Because mm. I remember when they briefly flirted with Ultimate FPL, where you had to pay a fiver or something. Yeah, and you had a bigger a huge, squad or something. You had a huge squad, yeah. And and you could make changes 
during the game week, similar to what you said there, Chuck. But like, I remember within within three game weeks, I was like, I'm I've missed stuff. I I can't be bothered to carry on with this, you know. And I'm fairly engaged, but I was just. It was just a bit much. So, but that's—I think that's a bit too much. Like, you don't need that many. Like, you could still yeah. have the fifteen. It's not like it's not like during the game week you can make transfers to change your team during that. Like, yeah. any transfers you make would only come into effect the next game week. But like, they do it in the World Cup and Euros because there's no gaps in between. The games are just every yeah. single day, so it's it, it effectively becomes game days within game weeks. Because you have yeah. what the the group stages, it's like twenty days of games every single day. I know. I just think it would be a bit more fun. I think, yeah, if it lends itself to being a bit more active and engaged, because like Oscar said, there's it's just a bit stale. Like they haven't really changed anything for ages and open up more opportunities for scoring and, and more points. Open mm. up the bonus the the bonus point system. Make it go from five to one, for example, rather than. You know what I mean? So, like, more players or, like, second assists uh, come into it or, okay. I don't know, something. Mm. Or even just making mini leagues structurally different, which I think a lot of other platforms allow. Like, maybe in our mini league, tailored, yeah. you are, the scoring system could be different, for example. Yeah. In the Miles Offside Patreon League, the scoring system is just the bonus point system. Basically, our suggestions are make the game less shit. Make better. Make yeah. do good <laughs> and fun. But let's play our own game now. It's time. Oh, shit. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'll, I'll pad while you get your stuff out. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Why don't you explain the game just, to the people? I'll just in? pad with music. <laughs> so the bluffer is uh, sponsored by Manscaped, maybe. <laughs> it's, um, it's a game where you come up with a question that has multiple answers to it. And then that question uh, is bid on by the two competitors about how many answers they think they can get. And uh, ultimately, someone has to call the other one's bluff and say, you have to answer that many. So hopefully that's been enough time for Chuck to get his questions out. Oh, yeah. No, I thought you were just going to keep padding so that I could write the whole thing. Oh, you got to actually do it. <laughs> ah, yeah. No, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, I have got three. Thank you for your lovely description. Uh, the Bluffer is brought to you by Manscaped.com. <laughs> it's officially it's not. <laughs> it is not. We need to be very clear. It is not. What's the bluffer like with balls? The fluffer. Buff your balls. Wasn't ball my bluff something? Manscape and ball your bluffs. Ball, um, ball bluff my your bluffs. Balls. Yeah. This is never staying in. Right, I've got three. So, uh, <laughs> Ian, the scores are four to me, four to Oscar, three to Ian. But Ian's just presented for two weeks, so it could just all go four, four, four again, and that would just be weird. Um, so I've got three categories, Ian. Uh, I'll let you pick between uh, what category I guess is that's food and drink, maybe uh, football or geography. Um, food and drink. According to uh, some website, can't remember which one, never mind, <laughs> uh, blow past it. I have pulled the top 20 fast food chains by the number of outlets in the world. So effectively Ooh. the number of food and drink providers uh, across the globe. Uh, top 20, how many do you think you can name, Ian? I'll start low, I'll go four. Four? Oscar? I got seven. Whoa. Yes. Okay. Uh, I will go. Uh, I'll go eight. Yes. Oscar's going to go for his normal tactic of adding three. 
<laughs> Not this time, no. It backfired last time. Um, I think it's backfired every time. I mean, I have four points, so can't have backfired every single time. <laughs> uh, I'll go nine. Nine, okay. Advance on nine, Ian Simpson. No, I don't want to go to halfway, so... I mean, I would say... Is that definite 100% out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've said that okay. now, yeah. All right, fair enough. Because I would have said, like... You think I can get there? <laughs> yeah. No, I think you could get a lot higher that. But never mind. Never mind. Oscar, you've got to name nine of the top 20 fast food chains by number of outlets. Um, McDonald's, obviously. Yes. Uh, McDonald's is second with 38,695. Is Subway number one? Subway is number one, 42,600. Very good. So that's the top two. I'm going to bank on most of these being American chains that are also everywhere else. Okay. That, that might backfire, but Burger King slash Hungry Jacks, if you're in Australia. Burger King is fifth, 18,838. Burger King is fifth. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, oh, no, that's too big of a risk. I'm going to say <laughs> Chipotle. No, I, I just fucked it. I just fucked it. Fuck, fuck me, fucking shit! Wow, you are. Gonna, Can I rattle more off? I know you, I lost, yeah, but I have more. Yeah, because you're gonna kick yourself here. Because I yeah. would bet that there, there is a point where they get they are pretty much all American, and some are just domestic American, really. But right. you could easily rail all of these off. Yeah, but Wendy's, it, Wendy's, say Wendy's, yeah. Wendy's is twelfth, six thousand four hundred ninety. Twelve, five guys. Five guys, nope. Oh, I would have said Five Guys, so I would have been out. There anyway. you go. Five Guys is a really recent brand. Like, that would be mad if they were... So, the lowest on this list uh, is 4,000. Uh, KFC. KFC's yeah. fourth, 24,000. Taco Bell? Taco Bell is ninth, 7,363. Hmm. Pizza Hut? Pizza Hut is sixth, 18,703. Is Nando's on there? That's the one that I was on the fence about saying. Yeah, I don't. Think, I don't know whether that'd be classed as fast food. Yeah, no, okay. Nando's isn't on there, and yeah, like Ian said, I don't know whether it'd be classified. Uh, but I will rattle through them now. Uh, in twentieth is Costa Coffee. Um, doesn't have a specific number, but four thousand plus. Um, they're everywhere. Uh, oh, also shout out to uh, Greg's for having uh, two thousand and fifty Greg's outlets only in the UK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, no, Brexit means Brexit, guys. Uh, in 19th <laughs> is Jollibee, uh, which is, I think that's uh, South Central America somewhere, Oscar? Jollibee? No, Jollibee is somewhere in Asia. Can't remember where. It's a fast food chain in Asia. Okay. Uh, fourth out, about 4,600. Uh, above that, we have Tim Hortons. Uh, which, oh. uh, we then have Little Caesars and Dairy Queen. Uh, Blimey, I would have struggled, I think. It's the trophy they all want to win, the Papa John's. Yay! Uh, Orange Julius, uh, you could have had Hardee's was next. Then Wendy's, you said. Uh, Baskin Robbins counts. Uh, Hunt Brothers Pizza, never heard of it. Never heard never of had it. it. No. no. Uh, nine, Taco Bell. Then above that, Dunkin' Donuts, Domino's Pizza, Pizza Hut, Burger King, KFC, Starbucks was third that you missed. And then uh, McDonald's and Subway top it off. So that is... A point two stim dog millionaire. Give yourself a ding, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, Oscar, you get to decide the category. Now you have got football or geography. I'll go geography. 
you will go geography. Okie dokie. Uh, let me just zoom out so I can get all these in because there are 54 answers. Oh my God. <laughs> it's going to forever. Is that what you just said? <laughs> Why is there 54 answers? Because there are 54 countries in the continent of Africa. And I'm looking oh, how many you can name. And by God. country, I mean a sovereign state that's a member of the United Nations in its own right. <laughs> So, <laughs> how many of the 54 countries of Africa can you name? I'll start off with 10. Okay, 12. Very rare that Ian doesn't just go up by one integer. It is rare, you're right. <laughs> uh, I'll go 13. 14. Wow, we've slowed down that much already, guys. Yeah, I think I can go more. I'm just sort of... Ugh. I'd hope so. Yeah. 15? Uh, 16. Oscar, Oof. put the atlas down. That's uh, that's tough. 50, um, 54. Yeah, but it's hard. It's 54. hard. You know We've it's... charted in like thirty-eight <laughs> of these countries. <laughs> you know it's harder than that, Chuck. Come on. <laughs> Just come on, like go through, but go through the alphabet. Like get one of each letter on the alphabet. Move along. Go around. Come on. Yeah. All right. I'll go. I'll go. You know what? I'll go nineteen. Yes, nineteen. Come on, Stimson. The Scarlet Stimpanel. Stim Kardashian. Uh, Stim Jong Un. <laughs> yeah, I'll go twenty. I'll go twenty-one. Yeah. No, I'm out. Fuck. Okay, so, Oscar, you have got to name twenty-one of the fifty-four countries <laughs> on the continent of Africa. I'm going to say the Richard Osman line again, and by country, I mean a sovereign state that's a member of the United <laughs> Nations in its own right. Right, let's rattle through these. Come on. <laughs> yeah, please, please go slow. Oh fuck. <laughs> yes. Um, South Africa. Ding. South Africa. Uh, Ethiopia. Ding. Morocco. Ding. Three. Ghana. Did I say Ghana? That's going to be hard for me is remembering what I said and I didn't say because there's no order to this. Ding. Nigeria. Ding. Yes, Nigeria. Democratic Republic of Congo. Naturally. Big hey. shout out to the, the DRC. The DRC. It's the motherfucking DRC. <laughs> um, Namibia. Namibia. Ladies. Uh, yes. Let's go the one that everyone forgets, and that's Madagascar off the coast. Does everyone, does everyone forget it? Ding. Correct. As being part of Africa? <laughs> At least over here, I think. Yeah, but you can say that a lot about your geography skills, so... Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's do up by Morocco. Uh, Algeria, all the French ones. Algeria, yes. At this point, I really should have been counting how many you've got. Eleven. Ele- Thanks, Ian. You're halfway there. No, wait. What do you say? Twenty-one. You've got half, ten yeah. more to go. Ten more to go. Uh, Ivory Coast. Oh well. See, it's Cote d'Ivoire, but I'll give it to you. Ah, come on. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Very, very uh, generous. Oh, everyone's favorite douchebag, Chad. <laughs> oh, dear. I think I got Chuck mm. with that one. He's gone. Right. I really wondered where you were going with yeah, that. I, did. I was like, Idiot mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, did I say Cameroon yet? You did not, but there it is. All right. Um, I am all over here. Uh, Burkina Faso. Oh, one of my favorites. It's a good one, right? That's a good name. Yeah. Six to go. Capital is uh, Wagagadu. 
the two that always sound the same, Mali and Malawi. Yeah, I mean, they didn't sound the same there, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, so that's another two. So what's he got to get now, Ian? Three? He's got to get four, that's 17. Regular Congo, not the Democratic Republic one. Yes, the ones that hate democracy and republics. <laughs> Congo. Famously. <laughs> Famously. Um, the one that was started by slaves, by the US slaves, the, the ones that went back. Um, Liberia. Liberia, that's the name. Right, okay. Yeah, that'd be ding. Yeah. <laughs> Two more. Did I say Sudan? You did not, but Sudan is an answer. Yes. One more. One more. Oh, God. Um, there's so many that I know. Correct. Uh, <laughs> Rwanda. Rwanda. There Rwanda. We there he goes. 21. I mean, there was just the other 33 to choose from. <laughs> um, yeah, I could rattle off some more too, but... Yeah, evidently. You took your fucking time over it that time, though. <laughs> yes, well done. Angola, Benin, Botswana, Burundi, Cape Verde, Central African Republic, the Comoros, Djibouti, Equatorial Guinea, Eritrea, Eswatini, Gabon, Gambia, Guinea, Guinea-Bissau, Lesotho, Libya, Mauritania, Mauritius, Mozambique, Niger, Sao Tome and Principe, Senegal, Seychelles, Sierra Leone, Somalia, South Sudan, Tanzania, Togo, Tunisia, Uganda, Zambia, Zimbabwe. Wow. So there we go. So point to Oscar. Ding. Give him a ding. Nope. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so the final category then to Ian. We have got football for you. And so uh, I have pulled uh, of the last 10 years um, the top 25 goal scorers in all competitions worldwide. For the years 2011 to 2020 inclusive. Wow, I like that though. That's that's yeah, that's a tricky one. How many did you say we're we're going for? Uh, so I went the top 25 uh, because, like I said before, this is all players, all competitions. In uh, so international cup competitions, it only doesn't count friendlies and those sort of things. Of the last 10 years. Of the well, yeah. Right. Yeah. I like, the, I like the question. That's I like the question, but that's fucking tough, man. That's a, yeah, it's hard. That's a thing. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. There's some players in here you would never have heard of, but there is a substantial chunk that you would have. So it's it's like with the um, like the the uh, fast food outlets. It's how high you go before you. Uh, uh, Twenty five. I'll, I'll go five. Oscar, I'll go seven. Seven. Ian, you're going to go higher than seven. Yeah, I'll go eight. I'm trying to not write things down, but go through them in my head, Ian. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Nine? If we didn't let Ian write them down, like, all of our bluffer games would just be so boring. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, sorry, so you said nine. Yeah, I'll go ten. Ten. Right, we're nearly at that magical 50% mark. Go so, for it. Oscar, you- go for it. I think this lends itself to saying something early wrong. So I'm yeah, you have I think you might be right, yeah. Okay, well, we have had similar categories in the past, so there could be a sort of Venn diagram there, but, and it's not like Oscar to allow someone to take it away from him. So it's not, no. Ian, I will remind you, I need 10 of the top 25 goal scorers from all competitions worldwide from 2011 to 2020 inclusive. Okay, um, Aguero? Ding, yes. Uh, Aguero is eighth, 302 goals. Uh, Suarez. Luis Suarez, fifth, 335 goals. Uh, Ronaldo. Uh, which one? Cristiano. 
Thank you. Uh, he's first. <laughs> 500, 550 goals. So that's three. I wonder who's second. <laughs> Messi. <laughs> Lionel Messi. Incredibly, 549 and second. Yeah, so one goal between them in 10 years. Madness. Neymar. Neymar. Seventh, 327. Um, Ibrahimovic. Zlatan. He is fourth, 340. Um, Rooney. No way. That was stupid. That was was absolute fucking madness. That was stupid. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking of countries and I just lost my mind. Uh, I've got a winning music for you, Oscar. Hey, that's me. Very good. Very good. Thank you, sir. Congratulations, the man Oscar the Puente. I mean, what else did you have on your list there, Ian? Did you have Lineker? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I, the pressure got to me, as it often does. Uh, Oscar, do you want to? Oscar, do you want to rattle off the rest of the top <laughs> ten for me? Uh, is Lewandowski on there? Lewandowski's third, four hundred seventeen. So it goes five fifty, five four nine. Then four one seven to Lewandowski, then three forty to Ibrahimovic. So any more you want to rattle off? Yeah. What about Thomas Muller? No, Thomas Thomas Muller is not. Oh, I, I had no. him written down as well, so I would have fallen down on a few counts. Okay, fine. There you go. There you go. Um, Cavani. Cavani sixth. Yep. Three three as well. One goal separates Cavani and Suarez. Right. Okay. Wow. The madness. That's mad. That is mm. pretty cool. Any more that you want to throw out there? Kane. Harry Kane, two, all of his goals, basically. 236. Oh, so, yeah. When I'm thinking of English strikers, I'd just go Rooney. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Fucking hell. Because <laughs> you're, you're living in the fucking past. I know, um, I know. It is... It is so, it's based but, on the decade. <laughs> but just to say, for clarity, between ninth and first, there's about a 300-goal difference. And wow. then it, from, from ninth to 25th is 278 to 227. So, oh, like, okay. some really of these great. are so close. So, if we go from 25th, uh, he always pops up in these lists, but he's so disrespected. Edin Dzeko, uh, 227 oh. goals. I thought you were going to um, say Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Lord Bentner. Lord Bentner. Um, then above, yeah, I don't know a lot of these players, so apologies. Carlos <laughs> Carlos Salcedo, Salcedo uh, is 228. Then uh, Mo Salah and Antoine Griezmann. 229, then Burak Yilmaz on 234, Kane in 20th on 236, then uh, Ab- Abderazak Handala, um, yep, 237, Nemanja Nikolic is 242, Ali Ashfak is 242, Gonzalo Higuain is also 242, uh, we then have Ali Mabkut. On 250, Omar Al Somar on 255, uh, Big Rom Lukaku. 258. Yeah, I guess he's been having a hell of a time in Italy. That makes sense. Yeah, so that probably bulks it up. Uh, No, he probably still would have been in this list anyway. Um, Also, speaking of disrespected strikers, Karim Benzema, 259. (laughs) Um, Then Eran Zahavi, uh, Sebastian Tagliabu uh, on 265. Uh, And Aubameyang is in ninth. Oh, my God. Then it's Aguero, Neymar, Cavani, Suarez, Ibrahimovic, Lewandowski, Messi, and Ronaldo. I think I thought a decade was longer than it is. 
I think you did. Also, you thought it was just a. At different your age, one. a decade is just a drop in the bucket. <laughs> bleak, fucking bleak. So, uh, another point to Oscar. That brings us to five, four, three overall, and it's Oscar's hosting next week. So we're obviously in the middle of a game week as we record the big DGW. Oh, how's that going? We should check on our teams, I guess. Should we check on our teams? I ca- I captained the wrong defender. Because <laughs> uh, John Stones is on 21 points. Oh, and I captain Cancelo oof, for one oof. point. But yeah, pre, pre, pre bonus bait, I'm on 51. Yeah. Wow, that's good. The robots are on 49 right now. The robots triple captained per the Patreon. Uh, I followed the advice of our lovely Patreons who know way more about FPL than I do, and they said to triple captain, so we're triple captaining KDB for the SAS robots this week. Oh, well, that's not gone well to start with. I mean, he did get a return. Sorry, who was your triple captain? <laughs> probably my man. FPL, FPL Ivory Tower of fucking it. Yes, our triple captain Salah, which uh, that was a fun game to watch on many levels for me. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't captain him for the first fixture. It's the second fixture, mate. So. It's, it's all about opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. I've got nine fixtures to go, and I'm on fifty-seven post boner points. Oh, well so played, mate. I'll take I'll take that with no chips, baby. Commiserations to all those who bench boosted with the fucking massacre it's no, been no, so far. No, no you're not bothering no, about not that. Commiserations. No, fucking fuck <laughs> hilarious. Oh, I know what I'm going to do in the middle of a pandemic where every game is getting cancelled left, <laughs> well, right, centre. I'm going to spend every hour of every day thinking about my FPL team, <laughs> planning for it, and then I'm going to spunk the biggest chip in the middle of it. Well, <laughs> you got to do it sometimes. Hashtag get FPL, hashtag PTS. Sorry if you don't want to hear it. Brag. I fucking love a double game week, though. I can see why people get excited. Like, that's the only thing about FPL that I like is the double game weeks and the chips. Like, we have the stats robots have 13 players left to play. Yeah, that's fun. That's, that's great. Fun. That's so exciting. Like, I'm actually yeah. in this week. This week, it's my team. Other weeks, it's everyone else's team. This week, it's my team. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, good luck. Hope you don't all pull your hair out and stuff like that. Uh, and then we'll it's be back to record next Sunday. <laughs> it's too late for me to pull all my hair out. He's, saying, He's making a bald joke. Yeah. Oh, I'm just I'm not used to it because you've got such a luscious mane of hair that you've been growing for six months. Uh, 11 <laughs> months and four days. Thank you kindly. 11 months and four days. <laughs> This is by far the longest I've ever gone without a haircut. Oh, no, I was talking about Ian. But yeah, that's this, is about the, yeah, this is about the, <laughs> the longest I can get to. This fucking fluff that I've got, this microphone hair that I've got here. Fucking hell. Dare to dream, Still, baby. Dare to dream. I can trim I can trim my down belows with uh, manscaped.com, discount code MOP20. So, you know. There's the end of the Manscaped partnership. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Thanks to Michael Allen for joining us as a Patreon. Thanks to producer Nate Whittam. And we wish you all the best. Uh, Soldier. Um, private Nate. Private Nate. For your private parts, manscaped.com. <laughs> um, say goodbye, Oscar. Goodbye. <laughs> say goodbye, Ian. Bye. And it's bye from me. Take care. Ian, you don't need to rush me, mate. I nail it every time.